It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time to sparkle. Yes, indeed it is. Because you are entering Sparkle Town. Sparkle Town is a municipality that overlaps and intersects with the city of Berlin. Sparkle Town is a town that is run by the Contessa and administered by me, the Deputy Mayor. The population of Sparkletown is made up of lovely, fantastic, and beautiful people such as yourself. And today, we welcome Camp Dad. We live in a deeply, deeply problematic, sexist, racist world, and pride just acts like none of those things exist. And again, the Contessa is still recovering from dental surgery, so she will not be talking. I'm going to keep this really brief. I'm just going to say uh, we spoke to Camp Dad, who is uh, part one of another power couple. Part two will be uh, aired. That's the wrong word. Will be uh, put up online next week. But let's just get straight to the interview. Hello. Hello. Would you please introduce yourself? Okay, so my name is Nancy, but in drag, you might know me as Camp Dad. Ooh, Nancy. Yeah. This is new. It is new, yeah. Well, congratulations. Yeah, new name. Yes, we love new names around yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. No, it feels good. It feels like a nice like mixture of a little bit old lady granny and a little bit like punky dyke energy, and I feel like that's like where I'm at. <laughs> that's where you are for the look, I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know that the world of Sparkle Town cannot see that what I am seeing, but this is some gorgeous pink curls. Oh, stuff. Goodness. <laughs> Talk to me a little about where are you from originally? So I'm originally from a little town called Burnley, which is in the north of England. Like if you go straight up from um Manchester, straight across from Leeds, then you hit this small little town which was like big back when the north of England was the top of the cotton industry okay and now there's not too much going on there um so i yeah went away oh is that one of those that lost everything when the industrial revolution kind of collapsed yeah pretty much Ooh. so there's not that much going on i mean there's manchester which is nearby which is mm -hmm. lovely and there's like cities around there but yeah i wanted to fly the nest a little bit further you know what <laughs> i mean <laughs> why berlin why Berlin? I don't really know. I well before before going to before Berlin, <laughs> I first went from Burnley to Bournemouth, which is on the south coast of England. Ooh. Then I went to Brighton, and then I came to Berlin. Oh, we're in the bees. All the bees. All oh, the bees. we love bees. The bees everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, Berlin just kind of attracted me somehow. I'd like heard about it from from friends and I was like, oh, I've got to check this place out. And then came here and just felt quite at home or felt quite like comfortable and relaxed here. So I was just like, yeah, the, the pace of this city seems to match my vibe. Whereas like London is like super busy or whatever, like Berlin is relaxed, but there's always something going on. So you can chill out or you can go all the time party all night if you want to if you want to <laughs> <laughs> now i get that we came down for a concert and in three days we'd fallen in love yeah absolutely it's that kind of city mm -hmm. it's very attractive now do you have a performance background um i 
do kind of i mean like i was in like the school plays and i went to the local there was a little youth theater in burnley called burnley youth theater there we go <laughs> and um and i used to go there a couple of times a week because they did like weekly sort of like workshops like mm-hmm. sessions where you'd go and like improvise or whatever and it was just uh it was like an initiative from i think yeah just people within the town that got some like government money together and it started off really small and then grew and like it was it's it was brilliant and it still is brilliant like it's it's a really good thing about burnley is that they have this little theater because it meant that i could meet people from all over the town that i wouldn't necessarily meet through school or through the the, the area that i grew up in mm-hmm. and yeah it was all of the slightly more freaky people coming together <laughs> is that where drag began for you or was that later um i mean i guess to an extent it was where drag began because obviously i was always cast as male roles so it was always i don't know in hindsight this weird sort of performing something that yeah i guess in hindsight i didn't necessarily identify with that much mm-hmm. um and then yeah when i went into school then and was in like the the musicals or whatever there the first one that i did was little shop of horrors and i did seymour crowborn Ooh, seymour um no yeah i so and that was like that i feel was definitely the first time that i did camp dad in hindsight i'm like that character just going around being like audrey what (laughs) like this little nerdy like geeky guy who like definitely was drawing from a lot of the experiences that i was going through but with this weird drag element thrown in of like this sort of gender antagonism that Mm -hmm. I was sort of experiencing. Yeah, interesting. How did you choose the name Camp Dad? Oh, it chose me. Oh, Oh, please tell Um, me. So Camp Dad was my Instagram handle before it was my drag name. It was just like the the thing that I did. Because there was this one time in Brighton when I was talking to my sister, best friend, Thomasin, and I was like standing with my hand on my on my hip, mm-hmm. like not on my waist, like on my hip, like, you know, like at the top of the leg, like this. Uh. And she just went to me, oh my God, why are you standing like that? And I was like, what do you mean? She was like, put your hand on your waist, not on your hip. Like, what are you doing? You look like a dad at a campsite. And I was like, a dad at a campsite. Oh my God, that is so my vibe. Like, that's so funny. So yeah, I just had it as my, as my Instagram handle. And then when I started drag, it was like, what's your name? And I was like, oh, well, camp dad. And it's funny because that was like before I even fully recognized that I was a drag king. That was back when I was still like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing and I don't know what drag is. And then it was like, oh, my name's dad. And then I was like, oh, it's because I do perform this masculine thing. And that is part of what I guess drag means to me. Um, So, yeah, it all kind of like fell into place. But I think that's the thing with names anyway, isn't it? You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like like choosing a name is something that is a lot of weight and pressure. And I feel like names, what came first, like the thing or the thing that the, or the name of the thing. Right, right. Like, I think that so much is held within a name, like the entire essence of the thing is held in the name. So I don't know, I've been thinking about it a lot It's recently. okay, it's okay, <laughs> we can go into philosophy here. That's not a problem. <laughs> okay, yeah. No, I guess I've been thinking about it a lot because I mean, I'm going through the process of like changing my name at the moment and it was never like I sat down with like a list of girls' names and was like, oh, which one am I going to pick? It was right. like, it just kind of 
happened that that was like an idea and then it kind of went spread out around the people that were around me and they picked it up and then slowly I became Nancy and Nancy became me and it was very similar to that with Camp Dad like I never one I didn't wake up one day and say oh I'm gonna be a drag king called Camp Dad I like it's it happened slowly and it grew organically and I think that's yeah how names work <laughs> let's go back to the early period of Camp Dad mm-hmm do you remember the first drag show as Camp Dad? When? How long ago was that? So the first time that I ever performed, like technically as as Camp Dad, used the name Camp Dad, was at Geezer's Pork House back in November of not last year, the year before. Mm-hmm. And that was like a performance that was quite, it wasn't necessarily a drag king thing. I was like wearing a, a dress or like I came out in like a covered up, entirely and then there was a dress underneath and it wasn't about masculinity or femininity like oh that wasn't the one with the wine bottle then no 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 that was um that was uh for dragaholics the graduation party okay yeah so the first one that i did was not necessarily a drag king thing it was just a random i don't know i was just experimenting and just playing with and having my first time on stage do you know what i mean like just what is it that i'm going through right now and I think the performance was actually sort of a healing moment for some trauma that I'd been carrying around from a previous relationship. Uh-huh. So it was more about that. But then the first time that I performed as Camp Dad and really felt like Camp Dad and was like doing the drag king thing was for Judy Ladavina's Dragaholics. And that's when I did, uh, yeah, a performance where I start out with, as this like nerdy kind of very Seymour Krellborn to bring it back to that. Actually, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then I end up, um, yeah, becoming sexy camp dad and taking off my clothes and shaking. Oh yeah, shaking my thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just so you know, sexy camp dad does appeal to um, a wide audience. Yeah, <laughs> there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's why I do it. I'm like, God, I could be sexy as a guy. Like, it's not. I'm not doing this because I think I look better. I'm doing this because it's more closely, you know. This is you. Yeah, yeah, this is me. You look comfortable. Yeah. So I'm not. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to get any questions from me, baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not on that one. Yeah. No, the questions go to other things. Yeah. Because not only have you performed at the Poke House and with Judy La Divina, but you've also been part of the other lab. Yeah. You've worked privately with a, a, a basically a two woman show with Bleach. Yeah. And founding member or shortly after founding of venus boys yeah yeah so this is a busy king in front of me here yeah <laughs> what other productions are you involved with and congratulations because venus boys just recently had their one year yeah birthday. no yeah it's nice so venus like venus boys is like a is a funny one because it started out with just the show at silver future which is like a monthly right. show which i saw Bubba Sababa perform Mm-hmm. And was like, this is fucking sick. Like, I want a night of just this. And I want to be sat on the front row of that show. And then I spoke to Judy about it. And Judy was like, right, you've got a meeting with Paul. You've got a meeting with Silver Future. It's happening next week. You're making this happen. This is happening. And I was like, okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and then it sort of like grow, re- grew really like, yeah, again, organically. Like new members, new people started to perform at the show. 
and then Bubba opened their own show at, at Tipsy Bear, mm -hmm. and then we start. We got booked by Schwartz to do these bigger collective shows, yeah, or like collectively produced shows. And then I think that's when it sort of took on a different thing. It stopped being like a show that people were doing, and it became a collective that the people involved in it can sort of like opt in to do as much work as they want to do to sort of, you know, create things together. If it makes sense. It it's does like actually, it makes a whole lot of sense because the groups, uh, when you have a, probably years ago they would have called it a house, but that's mm. that's a different term. Yeah. Uh, the collective, yeah, you jump in when you can and, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and then COVID hit. <clears throat> yeah. Thanks, Miss Corona, you can go now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Y'all managed to work this out for digital very quickly. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was, it was funny, like, because... Venus, yeah, as I said, Venus Boys was growing and growing and growing. And then I kind of needed to take a step back from it for a couple of months because I was just like overwhelmed. I was figuring things out. I was starting hormones. Do you know what I mean? I was like, I had a lot to, a lot on the plate. And then, so I took a step back for a couple of months and it just kept carrying on. Like it just kept working. And it was like, that was such a nice moment because it proved that this is a collective. It's not like a house. It's not like the house of dad and it's not the house of Bubba Sababa. It's mm -hmm. like, it's a it's a group of people that are all working really hard on it. And so when Corona started, I was still having this break and it was other members of the collective that, that started the digital shows and really took that off. And I was like, really not into the idea of doing a digital show to begin with. And I really had to warm up to it and start seeing it as like making short videos as opposed to like making a drag number. Uh-huh. Yeah. It, it's a different, I've been thinking about it and talking about it and doing my own where you have no feedback mm. except for whoever happens to be in the room with you. You know, your, your cameraman's about the only feedback you're gonna get. Mm -hmm. And that can be really tough for a performer. Absolutely. And especially because a lot of the reason that I needed to take a break was really linked to sort of gender dysphoria and stuff like that around performing as Camp Dad because mm. it started off and it was like, it was a way for me to sort of um, take charge of the way in which people perceive me and be like, I, yeah, you think I'm a man, but that's because I'm pretending to be a man. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And then it was something about looking at myself through a webcam and seeing it on the cam on the screen dressed as a man. I'm like, oh, I don't, that doesn't look like somebody pretending to be a man that looks like a man and it was like freaky and scary okay and i think that with a with a live show people can see me doing a little like wink yes you know what i mean yes so everyone that's in the room knows that there's we're a, all there's in a on joke. the joke yeah we're all in on the joke and through live stream i don't know if people are in on the joke or not so it freaks me out because i'm like how are people perceiving me like i don't have you know, I don't have as much control over that. And I suppose mm -hmm. it, yeah, it just made me feel really dysphoric. And yeah, I've been working through that and I'm still not through it, to be honest. I'm still very, I've still got quite a difficult relationship with Camp Dad at the moment because I'm still, yeah, still working through some shit. I'm still growing some tits. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Takes a little time. Takes a little time to grow a couple of tits, doesn't it? <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Now, aside from that, you've also managed, there was a recent production, mm. and I'm going to question the name because somebody questioned me about the name, and I did not know the answer. Mm -hmm. I need to be educated, please. Yeah. Gay Shame? 
Gay shame, yeah. Why gay shame? Because shame on the gays. <laughs> no, I'm joking, I'm joking. Is this a, a, you know, because we couldn't have a pride party? Well, gay shame was something that we started last year on the anniversary of Stonewall. And, but, but that was the start of, of like me and Bleach and Rico doing gay shame in Berlin. Gay shame has been something that's been around since the 90s. So it started off in New York as like an anti-assimilationist, an anti-capitalist, like queer uh, space for, mm -hmm. for people that were just dissatisfied by the fact that Pride was taking on corporate sponsors and people were treating it like a party and like oh. people were acting like, you know, like, honestly, I hate Pride. I hate it. You're not the first person to tell me this. Every single time that I go to Pride, I get harassed. Like I get verbally insulted. I, I, I've experienced. When I was living in Brighton, that was when I was first getting to understand my transness. Mm -hmm. And it, it is such a lovely space. It's got so many queer people living in Brighton. And I could walk around the streets wearing whatever I wanted to and I felt safe. As soon as it turned into Pride, all of the straight people from London came down to Brighton, because Brighton's the gay capital of the UK, for Pride. They'd put glitter on their face and then they'd come over to me and they'd be like, oh, can I have a picture taken with you? Even though I'm just walking around the streets like wearing clothes. People came over and grabbed my dick. People were coming over to try and see if I had tits or not. I hate pride. Oh, no, no, no. I hate pride. I think that it is, it's an excuse for a party. And the fact of the matter is that it's not us that are partying. Like, I'm not partying yet. I've got a lie on my passport. We live in a world in which we still have non-consensual surgery on intersex babies. Like, I am not ready to party. We live in a deeply, deeply problematic, sexist, racist world. And Pride just acts like none of those things exist. It, it just acts like we're, we're ready to, to party because it's easier to sell vodka that way. But I'm oh no, getting honey. chills. Oh my oh no, God, honey. yes. I'm not partying yet. And that's mm -hmm. what gay shame is all about. Gay shame is about marking. We do it, we do it on the anniversary of Stonewall. Okay. And we just do it through, through word of mouth mm -hmm. and so people can people can come and they can join in. This year we took a generator and some gazebos up to the top of Drakenberg. And there was like talks about race. There were talks about like people did, there was a performance about like a really personal and amazing performance about abortion. Mm -hmm. Like different people were talking about and expressing certain things that you would never be able to express at Pride because no one's listening. Like oh, no that's one cares. Not what that's not what Pride is about. Pride's about following the trucks and dancing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and wow. there's, like when I say that I hate Pride, I'm being, you know, I'm being what's the word? Facetious? I don't know. I'm I'm exaggerating. No, but, uh, no I do understand though. Because I like I recognize that there's something something nice about Pride. And the first Pride that I ever went to, I cried my eyes out because I had never seen anything like it in my life. It was gorgeous. Seeing that many seeing that many queer people, seeing gay people holding hands and lesbians holding their hands and like seeing trans people, loads of them, you're like, oh great, this is actually really nice. Mm -hmm. But then as time goes on, you realize the problems with it and you're like, oh, actually this isn't for me. This is for straight people and it's for making money. So I'm not gonna be there and I'm gonna be somewhere else actually trying to create a little bit of change in this world. Mm. Cause honey, we need a lot of change. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I would stop there, except that I have other things I want to talk to you about before we go away. Yeah. What has doing drag taught you about yourself? What has doing drag taught me about myself? 
Um, it's taught me. Oh, well, it's a difficult question to answer because what has drag taught me? We kind of need to do what is what is drag. What is drag? Yeah. So like, and you've talked about the 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 gender dysphoria and the and the gender fuckery going on. Yeah, so yeah. I think you've already answered the damn question. Yeah. But I think that drag is like drag is isn't just getting up on a stage and doing whatever. Like drag is all of the stuff that make up gender, I think. So I think that if I were to put on a big lipstick and go on a stage, then it'd be drag. But if I'm gonna put on lipstick anyway, then it's drag. And if if anyone puts on lipstick, then it's drag. And if you put on a tie, then it's drag. Do you know what I mean? So I feel like see, what's doing my dress drag? is drag. I told you. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so like, what has doing drag taught me about myself? Everything. Because how do you separate yourself from the drag through which yourself is materialized? Do you know what I mean? I do. I absolutely do. Thank you. Yeah. But what has doing drag on stage taught me? There you go. That's that I can be butch. I can be a butch. <laughs> <laughs> Butch, sexy as a as a male, mm. and ready to show the female. Yeah, yeah. Just a big old mix. Just writing writing your own script, innit? Stir it all up. <laughs> Throw a little pink on your hair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know what? That sounded like I was minimizing, and I'm not. I apologize for that. What are you apologizing for? Because that sounded like I was minimizing what minimizing. you're doing. Did it? By saying, you know, stir it all up and throw some pink on your hair. Oh, I'm going to no, edit that out, it. please. I don't I don't like that. That made it sound no, I mean, I, like I was I being I condescending or something. I didn't feel like it. You was. didn't feel that? No. Thank I'm, I'm saying, like, yeah, literally just stick it all in a bucket, stir it all up and chuck some pink on my head. Exactly. Exactly. I'm glad you took it that <laughs> way because when it came out of my mouth, I didn't hear it that way. Yeah. And I don't like that. Oh, that's good. Now, how do we book you if we do have a show coming up? Yeah. Because some of the stages are starting to open. So how does one book? Me? You just send me a message and say, hello, I would like to book you, I guess. Um, Is it yeah. Camp Dad on Instagram and on Facebook? Yeah, Camp Dad on Instagram, Camp Dad on Facebook, but I'm rubbish at checking my Facebook messages on the Camp Dad page. Um, and okay, then, so yeah. use Instagram. So my email is camp.dad96 at gmail.com. Okay. That's a good way. But just message on Instagram, I guess. Now, don't you also have merch? I do have merch. I just made it during quarantine because I was incredibly poor and I was like, what can I do? But yeah. Where do we find your merch? Uh, again, just message me on Instagram and I'll come and drop it off at your house if you want to buy it. I'm like, please buy my merch. I need money. <laughs> but it's one of those things that I don't want to just order a load of T-shirts off the internet or something because I don't want to. I don't I don't know. I'm not into. I, don't, I have a very weird relationship with clothes. Not weird. I have a very eco relationship with clothes i don't buy new clothes i only get secondhand shit mm -hmm. except from underwear because that'd be a bit much wouldn't it that's well that's um, kind of personal yeah yeah so um so yeah all of it is just like stuff that i've gotten from humana and then painted onto so i don't know it's one of them it's like if you want a hand-painted denim jacket then you can have one for some money <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and we are in, this is the last thing I'm going to say about this. And I had, was trying to find a good way to make it work within the interview and I couldn't. So you are half of a drag power couple here in Berlin. Yeah. 
and I will be speaking to your other half tomorrow, yeah. which won't go up until the week following. But talk to me a little bit about uh, a dual drag household. A dual drag household. What about the the living? No, what, the... about you and Bleach being a couple. Oh right, yeah. Um, so yeah. Unless that's not happening anymore. No, yeah, <laughs> Last yeah. I checked. You were still <laughs> a couple. Well, no, yeah. I, I fucking I adore Bleach with all of my heart. Like. It's ridiculous. I didn't even know that it was possible to to love and admire somebody this much. Like we just met through Dragaholics. Um, we were just friends for a bit, but like fancying each other, mm-hmm. and it happened so slowly. And again, going back to it, but organically, like we were hanging out all the time. Then we ended up shagging, and then one day it just got to the point where we were like, "Well, what should we call each other?" Or Bleach was like. I don't get it because you're non-binary. So should I call you my girlfriend or my boyfriend? And I was like, or, or they were like, and I don't really like partner. And we're like, what should I call you? And I was just like, you can call me your girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and now we're about to move in together, which is exciting. Ooh. Oh, gonna have a little like. Have you found a place? Yeah, yeah. Congratulations! We Yay. just found one this weekend. I'm chuffed. Like it's gonna be, it's gonna be really nice. Oh, this is so exciting. <laughs> yeah, no. I love it. It's nice. I don't know how much of that will stay in. I just wanted to touch on the fact that this is a another power couple here. And we have drag power couples all over the place here in Berlin. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Do I get to still call you dad or should you I change it to dad. Nancy? You can call me dad. Thank you. <laughs> dad, thank you so much for coming today. I really appreciate this. No worries. The education about gay shame, which I was unaware of, and I, I should have been. So the, um, so those of you who were asking me now, you know too. Yeah. <laughs> and for sharing. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And that was Kemp Dad, one half of a Berlin drag power couple. The other half is known as Bleach and will be in Sparkletown visiting next week. So listen to that. You are now departing Sparkletown. Sparkletown is a Thielendrome production produced and edited by me, the Deputy Mayor, and listened to by you. Stay safe out there in reality, away from Sparkletown. And of course, wear a mask, because even if there's just a 5% chance that it actually works, well, you know, what's the big deal? It's really not that hard. Wear a mask all the time. Oh, and wash your hands too.